Welcome back to Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I'm Jack Llewellyn. Thank you for joining me today. Before we get into this week's podcast and the, the topic of the day, I have a bit of news. Sometime last Monday morning, this podcast officially went over 250,000 downloads, which frankly amazed me. Now, as I've said several times, this doesn't make me a threat to Joe Rogan, but I'm in awe and I'm internally grateful. I'm grateful and thankful for anyone who's listened to any of the podcast episodes, anyone who's recommended this podcast. And frankly, I'm thankful for and grateful to anyone who has supported me or the podcast in any way. I am, uh, as I say, very thankful, very grateful, and I'm looking forward to the next 250,000 downloads because I thoroughly enjoy doing the podcasts, doing the research for them, and I hope I provide some information that is helpful or interesting to people. All right, with that, let's talk about the topic of the day. We do something a little bit interesting. A few episodes episodes ago, so that would have been episode 84, which I think was published on February 4th, we talked about some news reports that had come out suggesting that AMLO's 2006 presidential campaign had been funded, at least in part, by drug traffickers. In the month or so since that episode came out, I've seen at least two news reports that I think are directly pertinent. One relates directly to those allegations. <clears throat> Excuse me. One is a little bit tangential, but I think relevant. And because we're in the midst of the Mexican presidential election, because of the timeliness of these reports, I think it's worthwhile to talk about them now, relate them back to the prior podcast episode, and discuss their significance. We're not going to go into the allegations in the detail we did in that first episode. So if you think there's information missing from this episode, or if you'd just like more information, go back to episode 84, which talks in depth about the allegations. If you remember... On or about January 30 of this year, three different sites produced reports or investigative reports detailing the allegations that drug traffickers funneled money into the 2006 presidential campaign of Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, AMLO. Interestingly enough, those three reports, again, came out almost simultaneously, contain essentially the same information, the same material allegations. They all talk about the fact that years after the 2006 campaign, the DEA and others in the United States started investigating claims 
that during this 2006 campaign, and if you remember, this is the campaign between Felipe Calderon and AMLO. But during this campaign, traffickers, namely in the person of La Barbie, and hopefully you remember La Barbie. Remember, he was um, a key lieutenant to the Belcha and Leyva cartel, the BLO. He um, was born and raised in Laredo. He became um, a key lieutenant, a drug dealer in part in his own right, um, you know, a hit man, but very well known, very um, charismatic, etc. But the allegations were that through people associated with the Lopez Obrador campaign, several millions of dollars were funneled from La Barbie to associates to the AMLO campaign. Importantly, there never ever was a direct link to AMLO himself. Never any substantive allegations that AMLO was aware of these payments um, in any way. Now, what we do know is, remember we talked, there were campaign appearances that uh, AMLO made that by all, anyone looking at it would say they were financed by traffickers. So there may be circumstantial evidence that if AMLO didn't know, he at least should have known that his campaign was being financed and supported by drug traffickers. Nevertheless, no direct allegations. Then if you remember, the, so let me back up, sorry. So these reports, investigations really started in about 2010. A couple years later, 2012, we've got the next presidential campaign. Remember that in Mexico, presidents can only run for one six-year term. So you had the election of 2006, Felipe Calderon wins, AMLO contest the election results it's in, it ends up being affirmed by the the process in Mexico we get to the 2012 campaign amlo is again running for president this time against the pre representative or candidate enrique peña nieto so the DEA agents and the U.S. attorneys working on this investigation start an investigation they call Operation Polanco, which was intended to kind of recreate the scheme that had happened in 2006. So you have the 2006 campaign. It's funded by traffickers, again, in part, millions of dollars, but part of it is funded by the traffickers. This Operation Polanco, what they want to do is when the 2012 campaign starts, they want to kind of redo that 
that funneling of money into the campaign, but in a way that they can then monitor and and then prosecute. And and they go big. Remember, if we talked, we talked about the fact that they wanted to put as much as five million dollars into the campaign. That um, they wanted to try to trace it back directly to Lopez Obrador. So you know that was the idea. They had a, a, an informant. Uh, a witness that that was working with them, and remember, we talked about the fact that they had they had um, recorded him at least twice in meetings. The first one happened in April 2011, where he was sent to talk to a representative of the AMLO campaign. The report said that that um, the. The person himself, Soto was his name, if you remember, when we talked about him. Soto, um, just in case you don't remember, was um, somebody who, he was a political operative. He had worked on the AMLO campaign in 2006 and and, um, then kind of turned to the government uh, as an informant. He was what we might call a political operative working on the advance team. But anyways, he goes to talk to Nico Moliendo, Moliendo, I always say that wrong, who was a logistics chief for the AMLO campaign. They had worked together on this 2006 scheme. April 2011, DEA sends him into a meeting with Moliendo in Mexico City. And by all accounts, it was a disaster. He was terrified. He mishandled the equipment. The recording was truncated, unintelligible. They send him for a second attempt about a month later. They get some information. They get um, evidence in a way. I mean, it becomes clear that Molinado knew about the 2006 transactions with LaBarbie. But it wasn't necessarily what we would call a, a crystal clear confession. Um, they they talked, they um, did some things, but it didn't come up directly. And in fact, at one time, um, Soto pressed Molinado to be more explicit or to incriminate himself. But the report said he never said I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know any of those people. There wasn't anything directly that directly cleared him, but it also, and this is a direct quote, but the tape did not freshen up the conspiracy as much as we needed. Molinado denied that he'd ever received donations from traffickers. He also disputed the idea that Lopez Obrador would ever allow that. So they go over the recordings and eventually they have to go back to the committee um, that actually decides whether these types of proceedings can, can happen. It called a, a SARC committee, Sensitive Activity Review Committee, um, which goes over, or, which is handled by the Justice Department. Turns out 
that about this time we had the Fast and Furious issue coming up. You had some other things. And in essence, the plug was pulled on this campaign, this Operation Polanco. There have been a couple of arrests associated with it. Um, Le Barbie was arrested. His uh, key lieutenant, El Grande, was arrested. But nothing dramatic came out. And frankly, there was very little known about this until these reports came out in the end of January. Again, simultaneously in three different um, reports, including uh, one from ProPublica. In the last episode that we talked about, so this January episode, we talked about what could be the repercussions and what would be the result of these reports coming out. One concern, of course, was, is this going to have an impact on bilateral cooperation? As I'm sure everybody's aware, the degree of cooperation between the United States, particularly the DEA, and the Mexican government is subject to fluctuations. It's gone from good to bad to really bad at various times. There may be indications that at different points it has been better. Uh, You could point to the arrest and extradition of Ovidio Guzman as a recent example where cooperation may have been enhanced. Go back to the arrest of Rafael Caro Quintero, maybe as another example. But reports have come out recently that say that these announcements coming out may have had a direct effect even in this one-month intervening period. And also remember, when we talked about these three reports, the fact that they came out simultaneously, ProPublica and in a couple of other places, led to a lot of suspicion that U.S. security, U.S. agencies had actually been the ones that had leaked the information. That certainly was some of the thought um, announced by the Mexican government. There were follow-up reports of of a similar nature by uh, papers, including the New York Times. AMLO directly responded to the New York Times saying that they were you know, they betrayed their journalistic principles, etc. Well, what do we know now? We now know, and and there are reports that have come out in a couple of different places. Um, Borderland Beat has a, a discussion about this, and um, but I went to the original source, which comes from a magazine known as Millennium, and a reporter um, whose name I'll give you in just a second. But what we're finding out now is in even in a month, these allegations against AMLO and the thought that they may have been leaked by the DEA or others in the United States may have resulted in in a lack of cooperation between the DEA 
and the Mexican government that has inured to the benefit of El Mencho. So the, this journalist, Oscar Balderas, in MVS Noticias, he's also in Millennio, um, Millennium, and, and a few others. Apparently, he is a reporter fairly well-known in Mexico who was alleged to have very good contacts in the Mexican military. So according to Mr. Balderas, there was or there were plans in progress that were aimed at the arrest of El Mencho that have been affected directly due to the diplomatic conflict arising from the allegations against El Mencho that have also allowed El Mencho to operate more freely. There's not a description of exactly what that means. Um, But the idea that there at least was an operation in place between the Mexican military and the DEA to try to capture and arrest El Mencho, that planning has been directly impacted. There are also reports that there have been leaks back and forth. In essence, the idea is the Mexican government, Mexican military, others have said, if you, DEA, if you, United States, are going to leak information about AMLO, we're going to leak information that is not in your best interest. And amongst that information could be information that protects drug and cartel leaders such as El Mencho. According to Balderas, he spoke with officials from the Secretariat of Security and Citizen Protection and from the Ministry of Defense, Sedena, and said that these plans to capture El Mencho had been based on intelligence and information provided by the United States as well as by the Australian Federal Police and the Panamanian National Police. He says these strategies were compromised by the subsequent severance of relations and cooperation with the DEA. So, one of the things that, again, that we had talked about in that first episode was what would be the reaction in Mexico how would this affect bilateral cooperation? The clear indication, at least at this point, is that it's had a dramatic effect. It's had a significant effect in the relationship between the two countries and the cooperation between the two countries, particularly Mexico's cooperation with the DEA and that that benefits cartel leaders such as El Mencho. And I think by extrapolation, you can assume that that also applies to Los Chapitos, to El Mayo, and to others. All right, so that's the first report. 
The second report is one that came out yesterday, or at least I saw it yesterday. So it could have been the day before. Remember, when Felipe Calderon won the presidential election in 2006, he defeats AMLO. Calderon does a few things, including appointing Genero Garcia Luna, who served, in, at least during part of that campaign, um, as the Secretary of Public Security. Well, a report has come out that during the administration of former President Vicente Fox, he was the president from 2000 to 2006. Remember, he was the first non-pre-president. Right? Garcia Luna, who was working during the Fox administration, the report says that Garcia Luna received a, a, a payment, a multi-million dollar payment, from El Mayo himself. The report says that while Garcia Luna was working as the director of the Federal Investigative Agency, he received a payment of $3 million from El Mayo. This comes, at least in part, from a book that I had not previously been aware of called The Traitor, The Secret Diary of the Son of El Mayo, this is from journalist Annabel Hernandez. We've talked about Ms. Hernandez a lot. Her connections to the cartels are truly extraordinary. Um, also said before, don't necessarily agree with all of her conclusions, but again, her sources are impeccable. According to Ms. Hernandez, the bribe was delivered by Jesus Ronaldo Zambada, El Mayo's brother, and this is according to the testimony he gave in the Eastern District of New York in a trial in 2018. That's one of the El Chapo trials. The objective of the payment, according to Ms. Hernandez, was for Garcia Luna to do a favor to El Mayo, which consisted of appointing Norberto Vigueras Beltran as the regional head of the AFI in Culiacan, which, as we all know, is a stronghold of the Sinaloa cartel. The exact date and place of the delivery of the payment are not known, but what we do know is between 2006 or 2003 and 2006, Vigueras Beltran did in fact serve as. Culiacan's regional chief for the AFI. According to Ms. Hernandez's book, Ray said that Mayo wanted him there because he had him in his pocket. He was then sent as the regional head of the AFI in Durango, another territory of Mayo and the Sinaloa cartel where he served from 2006 to 2011. The report goes on to say that although Norberto was identified as a close collaborator of Garcia Luna, he was at the lowest levels of the organizational chart. 
Denise Cardenas Palomino, former um, commander of the federal police, and Ramon Pequeño Garcia, head of the regional security division of the federal police, were considered Garcia Luna's right-hand men. Why is this important? Well, in part, it just goes to show that even if AMLO had connections to the cartels during his 2006 campaign, he certainly wasn't the only presidential candidate or even president that had those connections. Felipe Calderon's administration may have, uh, the Fox administration may also have had those. And if you remember, even after the presidential campaign of 2006, AMLO and his supporters pointed at Calderon as being in bed with or having connections to the cartels. And when AMLO spoke about the allegations relating to the 2006 campaign, he specifically pointed a finger at Calderon and Garcia Luna. Okay. So this information coming out, or at least being detailed, the, the book by Annabel Hernandez, I think, has been out. But uh, this report now kind of ties that all together. So what you have as a result of, of these reports, you've got increased scrutiny or at least uh, more information about the connection to the cartels and the drug traffickers of other presidential administrations, other presidential campaigns. And now you have reduced cooperation between the Mexican government and the DEA, again, all flowing from these three reports released simultaneously on January 30th and believed by those in Mexico to have been leaked by American agencies, including but not necessarily limited to the DEA. Okay. That's the information that I wanted to provide on that today. I want to bring up one other thing uh, of interest. It has nothing to do with that. I just want to talk about this for a second. To, well, let me back up. I want to say this differently. There have been some discussions on YouTube and other places recently about El Chapo, his role in uh, the Sinaloa cartel, his relationship with um, various other traffickers. And I found a lot of that very, inf very informative, very interesting. I want to go back to one of those, though, that wasn't recent, but it's been resurfaced. So Hector Boreas, you all know, former DE agent, former head of Landa. We all also know, if you listen to this at all, I have um, significant disagreements with Agent Boreas, and in particular, his uh, book and what purports to be a docu-series of The Last Narc. Won't go into all of those today. We'll probably even get back into that in a week or two. But Boreas came out and made a grand claim 
that El Chapo was never, never a leader of the Sinaloa cartel, that it was always El Mayo and really downplayed El Chapo's role, El Chapo's significance, etc. This week, I spoke with someone who is in a position to know, not by being told, but by personal experience to know that relationship. Spoke about things completely different from most of our conversation. And then I asked just about that allegation. And this person who I won't name or even hint at identity, but this person said, there is no way that is accurate. That El Chapo and El Mayo were leaders. There were other leaders who may not even get as much publicity as those two, but that they were always dealt with as co-equals. And I bring this up again. I, I want people to be aware when they hear allegations to really listen to them, to think about them. And especially when you get somebody like Agent Boreas, who every so often, it seems, has to come out and say something outlandish, something outrageous, something controversial, because that keeps his name in the news. But if just because somebody who was in a position like a Agent Boreas says it doesn't make it true. So please, when you listen to all these people, and, and on YouTube now, there's so many people who claim to be, you know, Sicarios, or they worked with this cartel leader, or that drug trafficker, have a, a ready dose of skepticism available, and apply some logic to it. Some of it may be true. Some people maybe do, you know, episodes on YouTube that are 100% true, but there's a lot of false out there. And what really annoys me, and this goes back to the very reason we started this podcast, is when people such as Agent Breas, who should know the truth, who do know the truth, who don't want to tell it, or who are looking for something else besides the truth, notoriety, money, whatever it is, that's what annoys me. That's what motivated me to start this podcast, and that's what keeps me doing it each and every week. All right, I'll hop off my soapbox now and say that's what I had planned for today. I hope you found these connections between that AMLO investigation interesting. It was really fascinating to me. And when you think about it, how frail the relationship between Mexico and DEA can be at times, and wondering how that's going to change in the future when we have a, a new president in Mexico, perhaps in November, uh, you know, a different administration, will there, you know, what will that relationship end up looking like? All right. Thank you again. Thank you for everything. Thank you for 250,000 downloads. And this 
is Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena for this week. Thank you and have a great week.